Any views or opinions expressed on KUR are not necessarily those of Kutztown University, Kutztown University Student Government, Kutztown University Student Services Incorporated, KUR staff and management or other affiliated organizations. Hey y'all, you're listening to the Boxwood Banter on Kutztown University Radio. I'm your host for this week, Jonathan Weinrich. My pronouns are he, him, and I am an undergrad assistant at the LGBTQ Plus Center. The Boxwood Banter is a monthly show hosted by the Boxwood House, home to the Women's Center and the LGBTQ Plus Resource Center. Um, this show is a place to discuss important contemporary issues. Hey everyone, I'm your co-host Samantha Smith, my pronouns are she, they, and I'm an undergrad assistant at the Women's Center. And this week we are talking all about consent and inclusivity in elementary education. But before we do that, let's take a minute to discuss some current events. So our predecessor Maya from This Is Too Much last year came up with a 90 second lightning round current events game. So I'm oh going boy. to start our clock. Ready? Oh gosh. Set. Go. <laughs> go. Uh, right now, there is a Respect for Marriage Act going on in Congress, um, in the Senate, and this bill will put the equality of marriage between every single marriage, um, affirming the right for marriage for the same-sex couples and interracial marriage, and, like, why is this still a topic in 2022 that we're debating, and why is it on that, um, Senate floor? I don't know, but that's one of the things that's going on. So explain this a little more. What's it going to ratify? Um, it's and where so correct correct me if I'm wrong this is going to (laughs) fully solidify gay marriage in the Constitution like you cannot repeal this I mean of course the Supreme Court is that upper management level that can easily yeah it would be it would be very difficult yes so it would be ratified in the Constitution yeah we are not it's not justice majors do not um, (laughs) quote that language it is not an amendment it's just a bill in the House and the Senate Um, it's gone through the House and now it's going through the Senate so So that will afford more protections for it yeah Um, whereas Roe was never ratified I hope I'm using that word right yes CRJ majors I'm sorry (laughs) and this will just make it easier to protect those rights that yeah. shouldn't have be up for debate anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, in other news, I'm, uh, I was born in Florida, and Florida is always a topic to talk about. Um, Samantha, do you want to talk about what's going on with DeSantis right now? Yes. So in Florida, Ron DeSantis flew a bunch of I think mostly Venezuelan immigrants to an island called Martha's Vineyard in a horrible, bad taste PR stunt trying Mm -hmm. to do I don't even know what. But this is our good topic because, yes, that was crappy. But the people in Martha's Vineyard were angels. There Mm -hmm. were there was a group of AP Spanish students that left their school and went to go translate. They were like kicking balls around in the street. They were just making people feel welcome in this disgusting... Publicity stunt? Yeah, to try (laughs) to win favor for... I I don't know how he thought this would work, but he is being brought up on charges, so we can all clap for that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that'll affect the upcoming... uh, uh, his gubernatorial election. We'll see. We'll see, yeah. Yeah. But there is still good in the world, even when people try to do evil things, and I really want to emphasize that because today we're talking about some heavy topics mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. when you look at the news it's it is yeah 
There's a lot going on in the news right now. I'm sure yeah. you all know. So we wanted to have something that, yes, it's something that was terrible, but then all of these people that were so nice. And that's how we should all be. Like, that should be the standard. Yeah. So for I think our we next went over topic, 90 we're seconds. at 90. Yeah, no. Oh. <gasps> it's 90 for each. Oh. Uh, I thought it was 90. Oh, man. I thought it was 90. No, 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 no. Ooh. All right. So our next topic is <laughs> a middle school in Rhode Island. So there is a teacher that is on leave after a group of eighth grade boys kept a list of his predatory behaviors. They talked to adults multiple times when they were in sixth grade. I'm thinking of myself in sixth grade and like, I can't even imagine that. They mm. are so mature. Mm. But they started a database where they recorded the teacher's behaviors on Discord and kept a running log of it for the rest of the semester. And when they told adults, nobody would listen to them. They were like, you're exaggerating or you don't know what you're talking about. So the teacher was finally put on leave after allegedly stalking a middle school girl that he was coaching. But this kind of ties into our topic today because what does this really say about consent culture, victim blaming, mm -hmm. especially children's allegations and the reluctance of mm -hmm. adults to believe and to help when kids are saying that there is something wrong? Yeah, I I find this story like so weird because of course the teacher being predatory, like that is so disgusting. And to see that in public education, I mean, talk about trauma, um, but also like I, I have a problem when students record teachers because I think teachers, like, I don't think they should be able to be recorded. They but didn't record them. They just wrote down okay. a list of I thought actions. I thought you meant, like... No, not with a cell phone. Okay, good. Because I think recording with a cell phone kind of crosses the line, mm -hmm. but I'm glad that it's, like, written rather mm -hmm. than audio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, like, even... I'm thinking of teachers that I've had that have, mm -hmm. looking back, have pushed boundaries. And oh, yeah. I didn't even recognize that they did because... I don't know who raised these boys, but they raised them right. <laughs> so I would definitely recommend um, looking at some more articles about that because that ties into a lot of what we're here to talk about today. So that is our current events wrap. But we're going to jump into our topic right now, which is consent and inclusivity in elementary education. Although this can be applied to any form of education ever, whether it's um, parent to child, teacher to child, mentor, coach, mm -hmm. camp counselor. Yeah. So just so you know that we are not random people talking about this. Um, so I, Samantha, am a psychology major and I have a dual minor in sociology and women and gender studies. I'm also a certified consent educator and a dance teacher. Um, and then I'm an elementary education major and I was a camp counselor for two summers now with kids age seven to, I think the oldest campers that I had we're 16, so I've had experience all over the place with that. And um, I'm the student course assistant for the class um, EDU 100, which is Perspectives on American Education with Dr. Wolfmeyer. Um, and I've learned a lot in that class because it talks a lot about the culture of education. So this is a topic that came up while we were both at work one day. And we were talking about how we can better help people grow and mature into functional adults instead of trying to change our behaviors as we get older. So I want to start with a story that I found from Psychology Today. Um, I'm going to quote this from the article. She went on to tell me how our kids had been playing together on the zip line. This is uh, two mothers like at a playground or something. Our kids were playing together in the playground right after the show. Wanting to capture a moment of fun, she had asked my son to push her daughter on the zip line so that she could take a photo. His response was, sure, as long as it's okay with her. 
He then turned to her and asked, Is that okay with you? That is a great example of consent in a environment where, like, when we talk about consent, everybody's mind automatically goes to, like, sexual behaviors. Mm. But this is a completely different environment, and it's, it's a great... Um, it, it's a great example of how consent can be put into so many different situations, not just sexual education. So let's talk situations. about what consent is, too. By definition, consent is asking to do something or asking for permission to do something or touch somebody. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it is only sexual. Yes, it is necessary in sexual situations, but it's necessary in every situation whenever you interact with another human or another human's property you inherently have to ask. So why is this so important that this young kid, he was maybe seven or eight years old, acted like this? I think um, treating people and treating kids as a person gives them like a sense of responsibility, especially so young at seven or eight, it gives them like a sense of responsibility of like, oh, this is my choice. I, I can, I have the right, I can choose yes or no. Um, I think that's a really important thing for kids to learn at such a young age. Mm -hmm. And especially because a lot of parents, and I'm not going to parent shame anybody because I am not a parent myself, (laughs) so I don't have a place to speak on that. But what I'm going to speak on is that there's that hierarchy of power and you're supposed to raise your children. But sometimes that raising comes to, oh, I, for lack of a better term, own you. I control you. Whereas there is this little tiny human that has to figure out the ways of the world and has to be educated and taught and parented, but also has to be able to know their own body and their own limits. Just think for all of our listeners out there, how many of you were ever forced to hug somebody and Mm -hmm. didn't want to? Yep. I think that's a very (laughs) universal experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like anytime you go to like a grandparent's birthday party and it's like all the old people and they're all like, oh, come give me a hug. And you're like, I don't really want to because you kind of smell weird. But then you still have to because it's rude not to hug them. And or like when you get a present and you're like, oh, you have to go around and like hug everybody. There's other ways to show your mm-hmm. thanks besides physical affection and forced physical affection, because what that does when you force a child specifically at this age to do something that they don't want to with their body is that they are going to translate that to the rest of their life saying, hey, I don't get to control it because I have to do what other people expect me to do, what other people think is nice before I can do what I would prefer to do. And so other people are therefore more important than me. Now we know that is not the case at that at this age, but growing up, I feel like a lot of us didn't. Yeah, I think um, having that like self-care part of it is important too because knowing, like you were talking about, knowing your own limits um, in every situation can help you mentally and physically because so many people talk about like burnout, especially in education. Most people in education know their limits already, but we're forced to go past them even though we know them and we don't want to go past it. We're still forced to go past it because of the responsibility on teachers' shoulders. So why is it important to start so young? I think with cognitive development, um, like the development of our minds, the, the brain elasticity has, like you have the most chance of changing the brain when they're young. Children are most absorbent and have the most brain elasticity between the ages of zero and five. So, and it, it slowly like goes away as you get older, but zero to five and then on into elementary school, I mean, 
that's the time that you can change the mind the most. Yeah, it's, it's just so important when their mind is able to be shaped in this way to get that change in. And think about where they are from ages zero to five to they're at home. So yeah. they are taking on whatever traits their parents have. So by the time they get to school, not every kid is going to be well versed in consent, in mm -hmm. sharing even. And sharing is a tricky topic because you yeah. want your children to have open hearts and uh -huh. want to share. But you also don't want kids to be forced to share because that tells them, oh, I don't get to own anything because the nice thing to do would be to share. Whereas I don't get to set any boundaries and say, hey, I was playing with this. I want to play with this. I have to put my wants aside because somebody else wants it. Yeah, and I think that goes into preschool, too, and the importance of preschool. Um, I'm really glad that now there is free preschool um, in America. But that is, like, sharing is one of those key, like, you don't think of it as curriculum because preschoolers don't have, like, a curriculum they follow. It's just kind of turn into a kindergartner kind of thing. Um, but sharing is one of those big ideas. And it's, it's one of those things where it is important to teach them to share. But I mean, sometimes like, I know I had like my toys when I was a kid, there were some of my toys that nobody could touch. Like that is not allowed, those are mine. Like they were so important to me. But then like at other points I'm like, okay, these, like I was obsessed with cars. It's like my Hot Wheels cars, that free reign. <laughs> but when you get to like the remote control cars, Whew, those are mine because I don't want somebody else to break them. Yeah. Yeah. The, if you've ever heard the old adage, um, teach kids multiple languages when they're yes. between zero and five because they will pick up on it that much easier. And as we get older, it's an old cliche, but you can't teach a dog new tricks. You yeah. can, yes, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to be harder. For all y'all out there, I know I've tried to break routines or form new habits or new routines. And it is increasingly difficult the older you get because you get so stuck in certain patterns and behaviors that you might not even realize. And then you struggle trying to make something new or open your mind to something new. So when kids aren't taught consent from a young age and consent is basic respect for other people. And so it's easy to ask for consent, but it's hard to learn how to mm. because by our age, we haven't been doing that for 20 plus years. I know the first time anybody asked me for a hug was last year when I started on campus. Hmm. And yeah. now it's so normal for me to ask for a hug, but before it was like such an uncomfortable thing because I think a lot of us are afraid of rejection and we don't know how to handle rejection and not necessarily a bad rejection, but we just don't know what to do next. Like if I ask somebody for a hug and they say, no, what do you do next? <laughs> You're like, okay. Yeah. Like it's not something to be embarrassed about because somebody said no. It's not like you can read their minds. Yeah. And half the time the no isn't because like, oh, I don't like you. I don't want a hug from you. It's a no. That would make me uncomfortable because my personal bubble, like especially in times of COVID, we've all mm -hmm. changed our level of comfort with contact with other people especially like when you're meeting people for the first time and they go in for the handshake you're like oh this is like I really think about it now like oh this is really weird because I don't like shaking people's hands now mm -hmm. but what do I say because I can't say no it's that exact situation of I'm gonna make them feel so awkward if I say no so I you know I just deal with it mm -hmm. shake their hand and that's one of the things that we can change um adding consent culture into elementary classrooms is make people comfortable in those situations instead of 
furthering their anxiety, which we all have. <laughs> and there are times it's inevitably going to be awkward. Mm -hmm. But also realizing that you are, in the end of the day, the most important person in your life. And you have, should have, complete agency over your life and your body. So, yes, you might make somebody uncomfortable, but they already made you uncomfortable, even if it's not intentional. Yeah. And that kind of goes into nonverbal cues of consent. That can be touchy because sometimes it can be hard to decipher. But in a situation where I hold out my arms, <laughs> somebody's going to guess that that's a hug. And either they're going to hug me or they're going to sit there and stare at me until I put my arms down. Learning just how to accept rejection like that and be like, okay, you don't want to hug? That's fine. Like, it doesn't affect me because yeah. that's your right to choose. And mm -hmm. I shouldn't be embarrassed because I can't read your mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, talking about, like, socialization, it inserting this like hidden curriculum into elementary education can socialize the future generations and like this argument of i don't want my kid indoctrinated don't go to public <laughs> school it's it's an uneducated argument because every kid that goes to school is getting indoctrinated just by going to school whether it's private whether it's public whether it's charter and everybody's required to go to school it's just how your kid gets indoctrinated so rather than saying, I don't want my kid indoctrinated, you can say things like, I want my kid to be indoctrinated in a way that respects their comfort levels and have them be comfortable when asking for consent or something of that sort. And the definition of indoctrination is to teach somebody to accept a set of beliefs uncritically, which is what parenting is. Yeah. Like you're, you're teaching children specific things. So if you're saying, oh, well, they're being indoctrinated somewhere else. No, they're just being indoctrinated differently than the way that you've brought them up to. And that's not always a bad thing, but because we as adults don't have that really like spongy brain elasticity, mm. we can't learn those new things as easily as, say, a four-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Plus, everything is new to a child, too, so they're not going to question it. Whereas when we get older, we're like, oh, well, I've done it this way for so long. This yeah. feels very strange now. And, and that's why, like, with the older people who are like, oh, give me a hug. Like, you see that because it's been like that for their entire lives. And if they've been living for 70, 80 years, then change is really, really hard. <laughs> and PSA, that's not to say people can't change or that everybody is like this. We are just generalizing. Please do not take offense to this. If this does not apply to you, don't take offense to anything we say. Nothing we say is meant to be offensive. Thank you for listening. Um, so some ideal, um, I guess, categories or ideas to put in this curriculum into elementary ed. Now, when we say hidden curriculum, we're not saying that in a bad way or a shameful way, but a lot of schools, you can't outright say, this is what consent is, because mm -hmm. a lot of people still see consent as, oh, you're teaching my kid about sex? That's not okay. Yeah. Um, um, what educators call SEL, social emotional learning, all of that is hidden curriculum because the kids are now learning how to talk with their friends, how to empathize. That we don't say, oh, this is how you empathize. Because that's not that that's not how children absorb that kind of information. Mm -hmm. It's let's read this story about this girl who had to empathize. They see it as an example and then they have to think about themselves in that situation. So hidden curriculum, you're right, is so it's not a bad word. It's not like a scary hidden mm -hmm. curriculum. It's a we can't do like the term and definition like flashcards. That's mm. not how the social emotional things work. Mm -hmm. It's 
a lot more experience. And it's hidden in a way just to make people good people. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, we're hiding this from parents because parents are going to get mad because this isn't something that we should be teaching because it's basic respect and understanding. And there's a lot of things that we're not taught as human beings. We're not taught how to have a conversation. Like yeah. nobody ever taught us how to do that. So a lot of us had to figure that out and how to have longstanding um, relationships with people. Mm -hmm. We're not taught how to have a relationship, friendship, any kind of cohabitation co anything with somebody yeah. and teaching that early on just the ways of respecting people is really going to set forth a lifetime of respect and kindness and consent early on so then it's not weird when they get older yeah yeah i want to go over some statistics before we keep going so in current sex education laws in the united states of america so these statistics are as of august 1st 2022 so about two months from the Guttenmacher Institute, 38 states and D.C. require sex ed and or HIV prevention, HIV education. So that's 12 states that don't even require sex ed. Um, and they wonder how we're supposed to have safe sex or learn consent or learn relationships if we're not taught this. Now, an argument could be made. Yes, it's the parent's job to teach. But the thing is, parents don't always teach them. And that might be because they don't know how or because they don't know that they should or because it seems like something that just we inherently know that we don't. Now, only 17 states require the program content to be medically accurate. And I, I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add in really quick too. Florida does not require sex ed. I never got formal sex education. Neither did I. Um, there are yeah. <laughs> 10 states, oh. only 10, require the program to provide instruction that is appropriate for a student's cultural background and that's not biased against any race, sex, or ethnicity. But it still doesn't say sexual orientation in there because yep. they, don't even they don't even teach straight like sex ed. Mm -hmm. And they don't teach um, any sex ed. Yeah. And yeah. when they do, it is overwhelmingly straight. Yes. Or it's abstinence yep actually that's our next statistic <laughs> 29 states require that abstinence be stressed that's more than half yeah and you're gonna tell a 16 year old that they have to control their hormones and just abstain from sex <laughs> that is not gonna happen like like why not teach them how to at least do it safely and then say hey we don't want you doing this but if you do don't do these things yeah or don't hurt people exactly because yes. a lot of i don't want to say a lot some situations involving sexual violence are not intentional that they are because somebody does not understand consent does not understand how to ask for consent does not understand that what they're doing is wrong because we grow up in a culture with movies like the notebook <laughs> where stalking is glorified yeah. and there's um a tweet that went viral a while ago that um it was i think an aunt and her nephew and he came home from school he was like nine and he was like oh like this girl I liked I asked her out and she didn't go out with me and the aunt was like you know what to do now yeah and he was like I know I know keep trying and she's like no no you stop because she said no and that's almost yes you are the most important person in your life but if somebody else says no for their agency you have to respect that because they're the most important person in their life mm -hmm. 
And just because you want something from somebody does not mean that they are obligated to give it to you. And if you continue asking and they finally say yes, that is not romance, that is coercion, which is illegal. I just want to point that out. <laughs> um, only 10 states and DC require inclusive content with regard to sexual orientation. So it's better than none. It's actually more than I thought it would be, but it's still not nearly enough. And we also don't know the quality of said education. Yeah, yeah. Um, I Like, the fact that we have to not only, like, that we have to say, oh, that's better than none. Like, we're settling already. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, that that's ridiculous. Three states <laughs> require only negative information to be provided on homosexuality and or positive emphasis on heterosexuality. Let me say right now, I'm bi. I am too. So, <laughs> we call bull. <laughs> because to anybody out there who is anything but cis straight white, and even those people, you are beautiful the way you are. Whoever you love, that is right. Because you love them, and it makes you happy. That's it. And I, I'm taking the LGBTQ plus um, literature class with Dr. Her. I took that last semester. And it's it's crazy looking at, like before Stonewall happened mm-hmm. at the toxicity of being a homosexual. It's crazy that that still happens today mm-hmm. and that there's still a stigma. And side note, we are filming this at the end of Bisexual Visibility Week. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you are beautiful. And if anybody else tells you otherwise, ignore them. Because I'm telling you right now that you are amazing and who you love is perfect. Only 11 states and D.C. require consent education. There's something called affirmative action in law and in activism, and that means that you are preventing something from happening before it happens. So the way I think of it is when you call the cops, you already dropped a snow globe on the ground, and you have to now sweep it up because it's broken. Affirmative action is not dropping the snow globe. (laughs) Yep. So... Consent education is a huge part of affirmative action and just keeping these things from happening because Mm -hmm. so many assaults happen because people don't understand. And we're going to get a little more into CSA later. But our last statistic for today is that Pennsylvania requires HIV education but not sex education and requires abstinence to be stressed. Mm. Yeah. (sighs) For all of us that grew up here, that's what we got. <laughs> My thing about um, sex ed that mostly revolves around STDs, too, is that you can know something is wrong and then go to a doctor. Many of us can go to a doctor. I don't want to be um, insensitive to people. But for some of us, we can go to a doctor. We will just know something is wrong in general. We don't like us knowing exactly what it is is not necessarily going to help if we can't get the medication. And spending so much stress and time on that, whereas we could learn first aid. We can learn consent, healthy relationships, emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. The things that we should be taught that we aren't. So going back to um, kind of our ideal curriculum in elementary school, um, definitely anatomically correct verbiage. Yeah. I have arms. (laughs) <laughs> I have a head. I have breasts. I have a vagina. 
I have a labia. That's not like bad words and they're not dirty words. And I know most of you are laughing right now. But they're just literally anatomically correct words. Yeah. They're not sexual. Yeah. And I think like talking about stigmas again, like it's such I my brother who has a 11-month-year-old kid was talking we were all talking as a family, and he was saying, I don't want to teach my kid that she has, like, a wee-wee-er, or that other people have wee-wees. Or that it, she has cookies. Or Oh, yeah. Cookies is the example. Yeah. Like, that is... What is that? Mm. Like, that doesn't... That, that makes it so vague mm. and doesn't help the kids understand. So teaching them penis and vagina makes them understand what actually there is and it also helps kids realize when something is wrong so the same way you're socialized when you grow up to respect people to have that consent education if that's something you're taught at home some kids are socialized that it's okay for adults to touch you sexually and they don't know anything is wrong and sometimes they'll go to a teacher and they'll say like oh like so and so is doing this and the teacher won't know what they're talking about because they use a word like cookies and they grow up thinking that's normal. So knowing that language can help then point out to kids when something is wrong, but also teaching consent in school and saying, this is what you're allowed to do. This is what you're legally allowed to consent to, a hug, like your children, that's, all, that's it. And a kid can go, wait, this isn't normal because this isn't what's happening with me. They can recognize that earlier. I work with a lot of survivors of child sexual abuse. And I don't think I've met one yet that hasn't said, if I'd known sooner, I would have said something sooner. Because they didn't know. And there was nobody telling this wasn't right because it was normal the way they grew up. And so this is some way to help kids at least recognize that and prevent it from being prolonged. And to say, hey, this isn't right. Somebody can help. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big I think it's a big issue for me just because also like if a kid in an educational um, situation, if like the puberty video is what I remember about not sex education, but just bodily education, I guess. And like going into it, like if you are thinking that a penis is called a wee wee. And then they say penis, you're going to do the giggles. You're going you're gonna to laugh the whole time. And you won't take the video mm-hmm. or the talk or whatever it is seriously because you are so focused on the fact that they used different language mm-hmm. and language that has been in your whole life not used. And you're also taught it's shameful. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing shameful about it. Mm-hmm. It's just what it is. And there's nothing shameful about having it because... We all do, okay? We can't all pretend that we don't because then we're delusional. (laughs) But even, um, like, I work with survivors of all ages. And even as you get older, a lot of people don't realize. I didn't realize until years later because nobody explained anything. And this is what we're trying to prevent with consent education and having teachers be able to teach it in schools, even if it's not like in your curriculum, your principal says, yes, it's okay. 
being able to model that behavior, I think is something really important. Do you want to talk more about that, Jonathan? Yeah, so moving into like, how do we actually teach children consent? Um, the easiest thing you can do, like you said, is model the behavior. So ask children's permission. So um, taking this in a not physical form and the, the old, like everybody has had the moment in class where you're, you just don't want to talk and you're put on the spot and you're not allowed to say no. That's one of the biggest keys to having consent taught is saying, is it okay if I call on you? Mm-hmm. Um, one of my professors here, actually Dr. Arnold, shout out to him, <laughs> love him. Um, he does that all the time. He says like, if you really don't want me to call on you, I won't, but I would love if you could speak. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things, like encourage, but n- let them know that they have that choice and they're not forced Mm -hmm. to do that. And this is just a side note too, because we both understand that a lot of you haven't ever learned about consent, haven't had a consent education course or anything like this. So if you start applying these, there's no shame in that because that means that our message is getting out there and then you can also help other people normalize asking for consent, asking for things that we just don't think to ask about because it's so normalized to just go up and hug somebody. I was that little kid who would like go and hug the cash register, like the person (laughs) checking out our groceries and stuff. And it was encouraged for me. So I grew up doing that. And it was something that was hard for me to break because I was like, oh, well, I'm supposed to do this because this is what makes people happy. But I had to learn that it doesn't make everybody happy. Mm -hmm. And then being able to accept that and reflect upon that and say, okay, now I can just start asking instead. And it helped that I was surrounded by a lot of people that normalized it. So then it was, it, now it's just so normal for me. So now I help other people normalize it in their lives. And I think like it, when I was a camp counselor this summer, one of the examples that I use for consent in a physical form is like when they first arrive, like how do you do that first interaction? Well, you ask them, do you want a fist bump? Like some, those simple things, like not even like a hug, just a fist bump. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, who knows the reason why they don't want a fist bump, but mm-hmm. give them that choice because if they're uncomfortable with that, you don't want the first impression to be, I was forced to do something that I don't want to do with this person that's now going to be responsible for me for the next week. And this person that I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay to understand, too, that kids so often because we can't control everybody. We can't make everybody in the world say, hey, you have to raise your kids like this. You have to teach consent and you have to teach respect. So a lot of kids are forced to do things. So starting with that, um, like asking for a fist bump, even if you just hold out your fist, a kid is gonna be like, oh, well they want a fist bump so I have to give them a fist bump, even if I don't want to. Whereas if you ask before you do it, that's gonna be like, oh, wait, like I can, I can choose. I don't have to do this. Like, mm-hmm. that's okay. Like I'm not going to get in trouble or anything. And so that gives them the permission to then put themselves first and be an authority of their own actions and their own body and be able to say, I don't want to do this. And especially when you react, not positively, but not negatively, just like, okay, that's fine. Like neutrally. And that can make kids feel so much more comfortable, especially like the first day of school since we're talking about elementary education, the first day of school, like all the kids are so nervous, Mm -hmm. especially the youngest, the younger ones. Um, You have so many nerves and anxieties going on about what school is gonna be like. And then you give them this choice and they can be so much more comfortable because then they realize that, oh, like this teacher knows that it's like 
okay to ask mm -hmm. and it's okay for me to say no. And yes, even though you have, like you're older than them, you have a position of authority over them. That doesn't mean that they're still not in charge of their own agency. I saw this great TikTok of a mom who was like, I'm never going to force my kids to eat because they know their bodies better than I do. And mm -hmm. saying you have to eat at a certain time. That We're not yes. built to eat at a certain time. We're built to eat when we're hungry. And teaching them, like, it's okay to eat until you're full. You don't have to eat more. And understanding that that's okay and that kids aren't going to like everything. Yes, they have to eat their veggies, okay? <laughs> we get that. We know that they don't want to. But that's different than, like, force-feeding them a whole pizza. Yeah. I, I I love that, like, talking about eating habits because, like, I used to when I was a kid, I would always, after school, go home, and then I would immediately go to eat cereal because cereal was my, like, go-to snack. Mm -hmm. Comfort and food. Yeah, yeah. And then... <laughs> I would get to dinner and I wouldn't really be that hungry because I just had like two or three bowls of cereal. <laughs> Maybe more. It depends on the Ooh, day. Oh, <laughs> busted. And, but that was because I was like, I knew I wouldn't make it to dinner without mm -hmm. getting like into that like hangry phase mm -hmm. if I didn't eat something. And then I'd end up eating a bunch, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but talking food about Food is eating, fuel for your brain too. Yeah. Like we could do a whole nother show <laughs> just on talking about eating what's healthy. Yeah. But yeah. also, it doesn't matter why the, they don't want physical contact. Mm. Sometimes it's because they have trauma. Sometimes it's because they're neurodivergent. Sometimes they just don't want to be touched. Mm -hmm. Some people are very like, I don't want to touch it. Some, some people are like, I will hug anybody. Mm. That's me, <laughs> if you can't tell. <laughs> but it's okay. Um, they don't have to justify themselves. But also, you don't have to justify yourselves. Because yeah. a lot of people are like, well, why don't you want to do this? Like, if you say no, well, why? You can just say, I don't want to. Even yeah. if there's another reason, you aren't obligated to tell people. Yeah, and that kind of goes along, like, in other aspects, like, social gatherings, too. Mm -hmm. I think especially, like, our generation is so affected by this, like, FOMO, which the mm -hmm. fear of missing out. Um, like, you have to go when you're invited. You can't say no. Because you see everything afterwards, too. Exactly. So, like, saying no isn't that big of a deal. Because I know my limit. Like, I'm an old man. I am an, a morning person. <laughs> Like I have an 8 a.m. and I'm Aren't totally you 19. Fine with it. I, I mentally I'm old. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> youngin. Like, 8 a.m. is fine, and I don't like going out late because I'm tired and I'm grumpy when I'm tired. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm not gonna go. Like if somebody invites me to do something social at 8 p.m., okay. But if it's like 10:30 and I'm like already in the vibe of like I want to go to bed, and somebody says, "Come meet me here," I'm like, hmm. No, thanks. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Because that's my limits. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't have to explain myself. Definitely. And, oh, yeah, here we go. Okay. <laughs> so teaching kids how to refuse is something that's really important as well. Because they're so often not taught that they can say no. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, you have to do this because you're a kid. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. Yeah, you have to get your shots. You have to eat your veggies. Okay. But you are allowed to say no. And a lot of us aren't taught how to do that mm. because it's not modeled. It's not something that's normalized. So it's very weird and uncomfortable. And being weird isn't a bad thing ever. Sometimes people use it in a bad connotation to be like, oh, like you're a weird person. Jonathan, you're weird, okay? We I, take that I as a really compliment. Am. We embrace oh that. Yes, I am but so weird. <laughs> weird just means different. And every human is weird because we're all different, okay, guys? But um, just... Being aware that weird is just uncomfortable or new. Mm, like, yes, I like that new part. And like the, along with 
the newness is the newness of consent culture. Mm -hmm. Like so many people are going to react to consent culture in different ways. And part of that is because it's so new. Like, Mm -hmm. like we have been saying, like we haven't taught, we haven't been taught it. Mm -hmm. So when we learn it, it's something new and we may not, we're like, Oh, that's weird. Mm -hmm. No, it's not weird. It's something that we have to learn and figure out. And it's okay if it's uncomfortable. It's okay Mm -hmm. if you screw up. Um, I was not perfect when I first started and I'm still not perfect, but you're trying. I mean, Mm -hmm. don't hurt somebody. That's not okay. But if you like forget to like ask somebody for a hug and it's like somebody, you know, too, like I have people that I'm like, you never have to ask. You can give me a hug. Um, but But some people are different. That's an example of like setting a boundary. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the like open boundaries rather than a closed one. Like that's a good example of like. Oh, if you ever need it, not saying, oh, like, come give me a hug or like, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not like it's, it's not for you. It's for them. Mm -hmm. And so like, I'm at that point too, where like certain people, like they'll just hug me or like, Mm -hmm. I'll hug them if I need it. And they know that it's okay, but it's also okay to have different boundaries for different people because you have different relationships with different people. And it's also, I don't like the term hypocritical when it comes to consent, because if say like, I like initiating hugs but I don't like when somebody else tries to. And so when they, or not necessarily when they try to, but when sometimes I don't want to hug. So I'll initiate hugs and they'll be like, okay, like I always want hugs, that's fine. But when they try to hug, I'm like, no, like I don't want that. That's okay. Cause that's not hypocritical. That's still setting boundaries. They always want hugs. So you can go hug them if if they say it's okay. But if you don't always want hugs, that's okay too. You're allowed to set that boundary. And that yeah. can go for anything. I'm just using hugs as an example. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think like, affirm- I, I don't think our generation has gotten enough affirmation because, like, I mean, this is totally off topic, but this goes back to standardized testing and that we always have to, like, work to be the best. Like, it's um, always a competition. We always have to be, like, the best person. But in reality, who, like, who cares if you get a B on this yeah. test? Like, if you learn the material, great. <laughs> and it's in a, we could do a whole other episode just on education system. But what we're taught in the education system, too, is that mistakes are bad. Mm, mistakes, yes. most mistakes aren't bad. Some are. Mm-hmm. Don't hurt people. But making, like, a wrong answer on a test, that's mm-hmm. just a mistake. That's a learning opportunity. Yes, and we're taught, like, yes. bad, bad, bad. Red X, red ink. Mm-hmm. But... It's a chance for us to learn, and we're not taught that. We're taught that mistakes are bad, yep. whereas mistakes are, for the most part, good. Yeah. And they're opportunities for us to better ourselves. And don't beat yourself up and be like, I'm never going to do anything again. Like, I screwed up so bad. I shouldn't talk. I shouldn't have said that. Tell yourself, okay, breathe. First breathe. Take a big breath. And then recognize that I, as a human being, am allowed to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I'm not perfect. And it's scary to show the world that I'm not perfect. But that is okay. Mm-hmm. And kind of challenge that little voice in your head that says, this is okay because I'm human. And that's kind of what we're trying to teach kids is that if they learn to challenge that voice when they're little, that voice isn't going to grow up to be such a prominent force in their teenage years when all of our hormones are raging crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, like you said, like we could talk about education system all day. I especially like, Talk about weird. I'm a nerd for education, for education <laughs> systems. I could talk about it all the time. But I can confirm that. <laughs> the 
aspect of education that I think is most frustrating for me is that there is so much in social emotional learning that they miss out on teaching kids. One of those components for sure being consent culture and teaching kids how to say no mm -hmm. and how to like with confidence say no mm -hmm. rather than being scared to say no because like it's that that fear of saying no and what are the, what is their going to react what is their reaction mm -hmm. going to be that promotes this toxic yes 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 ness of our society i think there's something strong about saying no too i respect somebody a lot when they when i ask like oh like i need this last minute somebody to cover my work and they're like i'm sorry i wish i could but i really need to focus on myself too i'm like well you screwed me over but <laughs> i really respect you because at the time, I didn't have the guts to do that. Yeah. And now I can say, and now I also, we both work with such incredible people and we have the ability to say, my mental health is not good right now. I cannot do this right now. And yeah. they are all gonna respect that. And that's yeah. I think another thing, just teaching kids to respect other people's wishes, mm -hmm. to respect their own bodily autonomy, yes, but to also respect when somebody else says no and not be like, well, I want this, so you should too because I want it. And that's what being yeah. a nice person is. That's not what being a nice person is. And that goes back to what you were saying before about like we, I mean, I was not taught, but socialized to when I'm told no, like asking somebody out, then I need to like try again. Mm -hmm. But that goes back to that. What you talked about earlier is that you don't just try to convince them. Mm -hmm. y you say, okay, that's okay. I think it's really interesting too to have both of these perspectives because you were socialized as a man mm. and I was socialized yeah. as a woman. Yeah. And I was always taught like the the good girl, you know, the good girl trope in movies, you know, she always says yes, she's always like put together, she's always kind, she always sits still. I grew up with ADHD <laughs> and in classrooms, yeah. there's a statistic, I don't know it off the top of my head, but the average kid with ADHD hears many, many more insults and put downs in their life because they are neurodivergent. Mm -hmm. And so I think this kind of comes into inclusivity too, just teaching kids that yes, people are weird. We are all weird because we are all new to each other mm -hmm. and we're all different. And some people are going to act differently than what you have been taught that they should act like. We were just talking in a meeting today about how some people think it's rude to eat during a meeting. <laughs> and I'm like, if you're hungry, eat. Yeah, like, I, that's not rude to me. I was on a Zoom meeting the other day and I was eating and they like asked me what I'm eating. And I was like, oh, you know, like it's it's one of those things that's like, why is that considered polite to like, because if I'm really hungry, like I did not have an opportunity to have dinner that day. Like mm -hmm. I need to eat something because like, like you said, food is fuel. Mm -hmm. And like having that opportunity right then and there in that meeting, being able to do that was just so comforting and being like, them being so open so yeah and also understanding that everybody is different everybody and this goes for anything for any sort of um disability mm. race class um education system gender sex sexual orientation i know i'm missing a bunch right now mm. um but anybody or any ethnicity any culture we're all different and that is a beautiful thing but from the time we're in kindergarten we're taught to play these games where it's spot the difference Mm. And we're taught, find the thing that's different. It is wrong. You put a big red X over it. Yep. And so then we start doing that in our mind with the people in our lives. We're like, oh, you're different. Big red X. I don't want to talk to you. 
You look different. I don't like how that looks. Big red X. I don't want to talk to you. You act different. I have Tourette's. Mm -hmm. I tick a lot. And people are like, you're so weird. I'm like, I'm not. (laughs) Well, actually, no, I am because (laughs) I'm new to you, but that's okay. Yeah. So don't try to put me down because of it. Just sometimes it takes time to get used to. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, going back to like how you were raised a woman, I was raised a man. I'm like a pretty feminine man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when I was a kid, like there was so much stuff that I, I would like ask my parents, like, why do I have to do this? Like, I mm-hmm. like, I don't feel like I need to do this. Like, I don't, I am also like scrawny as people would say. It's <laughs> so, like, I'm not the most muscular. So growing up in a society where like to be like attractive, you have to be muscular. Mm-hmm. I was always like doubting myself because I'm not the masculine man that is muscular and like my attitude or my the way I talk is more feminine the way I act is more feminine Mm -hmm. than most men and it took confidence away from me Mm -hmm. so having this diversity and accepting everybody for who they are really lets people get affirmed like I am so much I'm in a better headspace now because Mm -hmm. I've been affirmed by so many different people including Dr. Her thank you so much Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Christine too shout out yes yes um yeah I just the way that we were raised is and that's how we can help kids realize this too because i was raised as a woman and i was always looking at like magazines and i mean a lot of you get this and i know that and i was like okay my stomach isn't flat so i'm fat i was six years old when i thought that that's that's so bad and that is what leads to eating disorders you know i struggle with that in my teenage years but now i'm i i hated pink when i was little and that was only because it was a girl color. And I was taught that girl things are weak. Oh, and yeah. now I'm very like, huh. I have a, big muscles. I'm not thin. I'm not overweight either, but I'm not thin. And we say these descriptions as very non-biased. They're not mm-hmm. good, they're bad. They're just fact. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm also not like a stick. And that's okay. I'm a, like affirmed in that now because people have affirmed me like Christine. Mm-hmm. And people are saying, oh, this is okay because this is you. So we were almost taught what we wish we had been taught when we were little. Mm-hmm. We just were taught it when we were older. Yeah. And so we're hoping also that a lot of you can get some use out of this and be like, oh, well, okay, I wasn't taught this, but I can try to accept myself. Because when kids accept their sel- themselves too, they can also accept other people. Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. All right. Well, should we move into what's going on at the Boxwood House then? Yes, we should. All right. So don't forget to be an active member of your campus community. We have so many wonderful events and ideas. We are going to give you a list today. But don't stress out about it because they will all be posted on Engage and on all of our Instagrams. That is the Women's Center Instagram, the LGBTQ Plus Resource Center Instagram, the FMLA Instagram, the It's On Us Instagram, and the Allies Instagram. So we will give you some events. It is not a full comprehensive list because we've added many more since we typed these up. And if we talk, if we said every single one, we'd be on here for another hour and a half, maybe two hours. Yes. <laughs> so don't forget that Feminist Majority Leadership Alliance, our feminist club on campus, meets Tuesdays at 11 a.m. in the Boxwood House. If you guys don't know where Boxwood is, it is right across from Old Main, giant pride flag. <laughs> you can't miss it. It's great. 
<laughs> allies is all about um, LGBTQ plus allies, and they meet Thursdays at 11 a.m. in Boxwood House. And directly after the allies meeting on Thursdays at 12 p.m. is it's it's listed as coffee hour or coffee break, but it's officially being changed to caffeine break. <laughs> so come to the Boxwood House for free caffeine to make your day better and get through the rest of the day. And Jonathan runs that too. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> That's why I, yeah. Speaking <laughs> of running things, I am the president of It's On Us, which is the um, organization dedicated to combating campus sexual violence. It was actually our eighth anniversary this week. Fun fact. Congrats. Um, and thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and we meet on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. in the Boxwood House. Um, Boxwood is home to the Women's Center and the LGBTQ Plus Resource Center. And we are all here for you. Um, take advantage of our space to socialize, to complete homework and relax. You can just come and hang out. And I think that's what I love about Boxwood. It's a very safe environment. And we have free items such as buttons. So, we have so many, many buttons. buttons. <laughs> we also have free pads, free tampons, free condoms. And then our bathroom houses, what is it? Is, um, hygiene closet. Hygiene closet, which has shampoo. It has body wash. It has um, shaving cream, toothbrushes, toothpaste. Um, anything that you need for your hygiene. All right, so some events that are coming up. We have the What Were You Wearing project that is hosted in the Brass Rail Gallery in the MSU. That started, we're filming this on the 23rd, so that started today and will go till October 7th. Um, this is a project that displays survivors' descriptions of what they were wearing when they experienced sexual violence. We also have um, tables that will be there on Monday and Wednesday next week, but I do not know when they're going to post this, so it might not be next week. <laughs> um, there's also a fall week of action for It's On Us from October 3rd to October 7th. There are going to be a whole host of activities that you can find on Engage and on our Instagram. Um, the 6th Annual Gender and Sexual Minorities Conference is closing out the week on Friday, October 7th, with our keynote speaker, Lala Zanel, who leads the ACLU's advocacy and organizing work to support and empower transgender and non-binary people, and will focus on anti-violence in the LGBTQ community. So excited for that. That's gonna be awesome. Absolutely. Um, their keynote is at 10 a.m. in MSU 218, and you can register on Engage. We have a Hack Your Hormones presentation that I am actually running about um, utilizing um, uterine infradian cycles or menstrual cycles to enhance productivity and um, energy workouts, nutrition, etc. Let's see, we have two schedules here, so I'm jumping back and forth. We <laughs> have tarot study groups every Monday in October, um, four to five weekly at the Boxwood House. And we have Pride Fest coming up on October 13th. You want to talk about that, Jonathan? Yeah, it's going to be a huge, awesome celebration. Um, all the clubs, I think most of the clubs or all the clubs that are housed in Boxwood House will mm -hmm. be there. Um, it's a time to celebrate um, your own pride. Um, it's a celebration for coming out day specifically. Mm -hmm. That is all the events coming up in the next month i have on my calendar do you have anything else you want to add jonathan no that's that's a pretty concise <laughs> without going too much into <laughs> detail that's pretty good <laughs> all right we definitely have more so we are going to close out now you want to take the honors um you got it 
All right, so just make sure to stay tuned to Kutztown University Radio for all sorts of other awesome programming. Reminder that you are amazing just as you are, and we hope that you can use some of these tips in the future. Make sure to stay involved, stay informed, and we will see you next time on the Boxwood Banter. Bye.